Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast recorded from the Ruby Barn on Main Street here in Suffield, Connecticut. This is your host, Sean Devine, and I'm barely known on Twitter. Super excited today to be joined by a, uh, a real-life friend of mine, a great guy, and, uh, well, what else can I say? Hey, Reed. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Good. Uh, so introduce yourself. You're not a, a, a Rails community member exactly, so we need some that's, background. That's true. So thanks for uh, letting me jump in here, uh, or inviting me to jump in here, I should say. But my uh, goal in life right now is uh, I work for Salesforce.com, and I'm what's called a developer evangelist. So I talk to people about the Salesforce platform. Uh, I talk to them about uh, how to be successful on it, uh, ways to use it uh, that are kind of interesting. And I also have a, a pretty deep interest in the Internet of Things. So uh, if people have heard me speak and they're not part of the Salesforce community, they probably would have heard me speak in the Internet of Things community. Cool. So the timing's perfect. I've been doing this series for the uh, Rails Rumble where I've interviewed past winners, the organizers of the Rails Rumble, uh, all angles of the Rails Rumble. And in the middle of that process, I saw you guys announce your million-dollar hackathon. It happens to be yeah. the weekend before the Rails Rumble. Oh, cool. And, yeah, so it's it's right around the same time. And um, given that it's kind of a combination of Force.com and Heroku and a lot of Rails Developers are used to um, developing in Heroku, and I think there's an open source angle too. Uh-huh. It seemed like the kind of people that would enter the Rails Rumble actually are pretty good candidates to to uh, enter the Salesforce hackathon. So I said, "What the heck? Let's find out more." Since people have been gearing up for the Rails Rumble, awesome. We've been talking. Uh, you know, the the hackathon that we're doing is actually part of Dreamforce this year. So Dreamforce is our big user event, and uh, it started off as you know a few thousand people when we when we did our first one. And, you know, I think this year we're going to end up with 135 or 150 thousand people in San Francisco for that week. But it's the weekend before, so the hackathon is the weekend before, and our whole goal is to uh, give people an excuse to come in and create some interesting mobile apps, uh, either on the on the Salesforce side of the house, the Force.com uh, platform, or on the Heroku platform. Gotcha. Or some combination. So let's uh, let's structure this where I I know very little about sure. uh, about the hackathon, but I, I I know the technologies involved for the most part yep. at least. So let's figure out you know uh, the degree to which I'd be a good fit for this. Okay. So it sounds like it's an in person thing. Is that true? That's true. Uh, the idea is that you check in on Friday. Uh, we're actually doing a great uh, venue near Moscone in San Francisco. It's a venue called City View. Uh, absolutely beautiful space. And you check in on Friday, and then you end up hacking all weekend. Uh, you can either hack solo or you can hack as part of a team. Uh, you submit your uh, entry at the kind of the middle of the day, I think it is, on uh, Sunday. And then uh, we start doing evaluation and start talking about winners uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. So tell me more about the thinking behind it being an in-person event instead of a kind of a virtual worldwide kind of deal. Sure. Um, you know, there's a, we've done a lot of different events, and one of our key goals is all, all around engagement, right? We like to really make sure that when people are doing something, if they're creating an app, that that app is engaging. When we are doing some sort of development or interaction, that we're doing really engaging interaction with people. And what we found when we're doing um, hackathon-style events is that we actually get better engagement from people who are participating when we do it in person. Uh, so, that's really what it comes down to. Are you telling me that that <clears throat> programming in my pajamas, unshowered for two days with a cup of coffee in my in my uh, garage, is not social? 
Well, so here's the thing: is you can actually wear your pajamas to oh, no. the Salesforce Hackathon. I it's thought you were totally supposed to be pitch- I thought you were supposed to be pitching why people should go. No, no. So, <laughs> well, oh no. So that's the thing: is you have great pajamas. So the number one reason that people <laughs> should come true. to the Salesforce Hackathon is to see Sean in his pajamas. That is true. Uh, is you're your... wearing your pajamas now, am I right? <laughs> well, we do have video, but we're not going to share it with the broader okay. internet. I think that's so, a good call. What's the uh, what's the smell mitigation strategy for this city view venue? Can I- the the personal scent mitigation <laughs> strategy. It seems it seems important. Yeah, you know. Um, so first of all, people don't actually have to stay at City View the entire time. They have to check in, and then they have to uh, be back there for the presentation. We're doing a science fair style presentation of uh, all the apps that are entered, but they don't have to actually be at city view the whole time. So if you've got a place to crash and you've got a shower and you want to do all that stuff, you can definitely do that. Having said that, if you've got a sleeping bag and you've got your PJs and you want to uh, crash at city view, because sometimes San Francisco can be an expensive place to crash. If you, if you don't have a good, uh, a good place there, you are welcome to stay at city view. So you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. And you know, I mean, we can't really uh, control for some of the personal scent issues which might arise. So, you know, I think uh, it's part of the fun. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I have I have two sleeping bags. Perhaps oh, okay. I could make a business out of this, rent my sleeping bag throughout the day. Yeah, it could be like air sleeping bag. <laughs> right? You is know a, someone's going to submit that. Is there a sleeping bag category on Airbnb? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. It'd be just weird. I think that there's barely like a rent your room category in Airbnb anymore, let alone rent your sleeping bag. Yeah. You know, you could, uh, you could probably bring out a few sleeping bags and, um, I don't know, make some friends. Yeah. Not, it's oh. not awkward at all. <laughs> the whole thing's a little awkward. <laughs> I mean, programmers are awkward. Well, you know, so let's, let's talk about why you would do it though. Cause you know, the reason to do this isn't that you like showing up in a sleeping bag and sleeping in a big room with a bunch of other programmers, right? I mean, fundamentally that's not it. Um, it, I mean, will you stipulate to that? Do you agree? I, I think that the guy that does it for that reason, uh, we should screen him, screen, well. <laughs> screen him out of the facility. So maybe that's something that if that is your thing, that's not a... Yeah. You know, that's like maybe a little bit on the TMI side to, to share that with people. But, you know, when you think about the reason that you do something like this, um, there's a lot of reasons that developers tell us they join hackathons. Uh, but one of the key things that uh, comes out of it is it's a kind of a forcing function where you say, okay, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to uh, put together my ideas into an app, and I'm going to see how it goes. Um, you can go there, you can meet new people, you can work together with them. We actually did this, uh, this great summer of hacks event over the, um, summer, hence the name summer of hacks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we did four cities and we had people who showed up, uh, didn't know people there, joined ad hoc teams, worked together and created new apps from scratch. And so it ended up being not only a, a programming exercise, but also a kind of a social exercise and a way to meet other people in the community. Um, so one reason you might do it is forcing function to learn some new technology. Another reason you might do it is to go out and meet some people who are doing great work and kind of see what their ideas are. You know, and the third reason is really a combination of those two is really to kind of get your brain percolating in a different way than, than it really does. You know, if you stay home, you stay in your pajamas and you're thinking to yourself with a cup of coffee, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be in a lot of very familiar patterns. And a lot of times, you know, the, the challenge when you're For me, personally, as a programmer, the challenge for me has historically been, how do I break out of my rut? And hackathons are a fantastic way to do it. Yeah, I agree. I I do one a year, maybe more often than that. Cool. And I think they're super fun. You know, you end up, 
I didn't, you know, my kids. So I did one with yeah. Kayla, which nice. was tons of fun. Now she can't program. So that was a thing, but <clears throat> it was a good sort of family experience. And then I did one with some guys that, that we both know. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I agree with both of those. I think it's fun to see in your day job, it can feel like you can't get much done in a month, let alone right. a weekend. And then in a hackathon, all of a sudden you're banging out something interesting over 48 hours. So right. I like that. It's kind of inspirational. Yeah. I, I like to inspire myself. That's what I'm saying. Well, and <laughs> you know, you inspire a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> making it personal. Exactly. But you know, I, when uh, it, we looked at, if you look at the blog post where we announced that we we're going to be doing this hackathon, um, the million dollar hackathon, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, some of the work that we've done, including summer of hacks and then a couple of things that we've done with our customers. And so we did a couple in France earlier this year and it was amazing because, you know, the, um, I think a lot of times when you think about hackathons, uh, there's it, at least in the Salesforce community, you know, we're out in San Francisco, there's a heavy kind of Silicon Valley vibe and, you know, it's sort of a, a thing that you do there. But these hackathons, the customer ones that we did with, with uh, big customers in Paris and, you know, not customers who you would think would be doing hackathons, you know, one was an insurance company. But what they found was, uh, you know, they put on this hackathon, they did it over a weekend, uh, they, you know, created a little bit of structure for people to play within, and it ended up being one of those things where it gets them out of their rut, you know, yeah. ended up kind of inspiring them and showing them a new way to do things. Uh, and that's really, that's really fundamentally, I think, what it's all about. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not some great prizes, because there definitely are. Well, let's talk about it. Um- Sure. Uh, Reed, please tell us about the great prizes at this year's hackathon. <laughs> Funny you should ask, Sean. <laughs> um, I feel like this is a little bit of like that. Uh, remember that uh, dead milkman song, Bitch and Camaro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to illegally splice that into this uh, episode right here. Y- you might need to, you know, because now we come to the part where you ask me how I'm going to get down to the shore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, if you have, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard that, it's well worth your. Well, worth a little effort on Spotify. Anyway, so the uh, prizes that we're doing. We've broken down the prizes this year in a way so that there are a lot of prizes. Um, what we really want to do is drive a lot of participation. And so there are 35 separate prizes. Um, the grand prize winner will end up taking home $250,000. And so uh, the way that the prizes are split out is we've got three categories of apps. Uh, it can be a Force.com app. It can be a Heroku app. Or it can be a combination force.com and Heroku app. And so in each of those categories, you'll see where there's um, a first prize winner, which is $100,000. And then it, it kind of goes down from there where sixth through tenth prizes are $10,000 each. Uh, and then what happens is for the, the grand prize winners of each of those categories, uh, we'll pick one grand prize winner and they'll get an additional $150,000. So, um, Wait, yeah. couple, sure. it, it's uh, cash money or, you know. So, you know, some, are we giving you rolls of pennies or no? Or is it like credits for force.com or no? It's like, cash, so it can be spent Money. on anything. It, it is negotiable currency of the realm. Yes, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and okay, and um, the so if you build something with force.com and Heroku, that's just submitted into the the joint category. I assume that's correct. You don't get a triple submission. No. So at each entry is in one category. So if you are doing something that is entirely built on top of force.com, uh, that is in the force.com category. If you're doing something which is entirely built on Heroku, that's in the Heroku category. And if you combine those two, then that's in the third category. Gotcha. Right. Uh, you said mobile at the beginning. I did. Yeah. Is yeah, that a requirement? It has to be, or... yeah, it has to be a mobile app. And by that, do you mean 
like responsive website mobile app or does it have to be say an iOS app or what, what counts? So we actually don't, we actually are uh, kind of agnostic when it comes to that. It has to be a mobile app. So it could be a uh, responsive web design for sure. It could be something that sits into an Android container. It could sit in an iOS container. It could be an iOS native app. It could be a windows app. It could be a Blackberry app, right? Um, what we want to do is as long as it touches force.com, right? And then it's uh, got whatever additional technologies that might be a part of that. Uh, and it's accessed through a mobile device. There you go. You're good. Uh, that's what we mean by mobile. Gotcha. Does that help? I mean, sort of. It seems like if you could use it and, and not in a goofy way on an iPhone, it counts. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you, what we really want to do is when you think about you know when you think about how apps are going today. I mean, mobile is key, right? So there's, there's a lot of different things that are out there. But when we talk to our customers, our customers are asking us primarily for mobile apps. So we've put a lot of investment into it. We've got the Salesforce One mobile app, which is you know something that connects very easily into the Force.com platform. Um, we've got SDKs that are really powerful and make it very easy to develop on iOS and Android. Um, so that's something which our customers are telling us that they want. We've put a lot of investment into it. And so for this uh, hackathon, uh, every entry must be a mobile app of some kind. Gotcha. So how does the demo work? I think you mentioned earlier that there's a presentation science fair yeah. gig at the end. Yeah. What's that about? And is it so is the, is the demo me taking out my phone or iPad and saying, like, here, let's go through it? Yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, first of all, I, I do want to point out that people should go visit um, the official website on this. So if you just Google Salesforce uh, Hackathon, Salesforce Hackathon, you'll actually find a great sign-up page for it, and you'll find that there's official rules and a FAQ, and there's a place where you can ask questions, right? So you should definitely go look at the site and look at all this information. You can, st- you can yeah. stop taking notes right now, class. That's what that's what Exactly. So if somebody's out there and they're like, you know, trying to rewind. Oh, shoot. What did they say? Like, ah, oh, I missed that sleeping bag joke. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, how many sleeping bags is Sean bringing? I mm-hmm. remember. No, don't worry. We'll reuse all of our jokes by the end. Okay, that's perfect. Um, but yeah, so there is a website out there. If you use the Google, you're going to find everything that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but your question was, how does this demo work? And we've got this all detailed in the fact. But in essence, what our goal is, is to do it kind of science fair style, right? Because we don't know exactly how many teams we're going to have in terms of, you know, the final number of submissions. Um, But the idea is that uh, a judge is going to come around and talk to each team, and they're going to have a short period of time to actually demo the app. Um, The app is then going to be scored based on four criteria. Uh, Four criteria are pretty straightforward. It's innovation, business potential, user experience, and then use of the Salesforce One platform technologies. Um, so once that score is done, that's how the judging is going to take place, and then we start to announce winners on uh, Sunday evening. So use of Salesforce technologies. So Salesforce One, that counts, call it all things Heroku. Yeah, so the Salesforce One platform uh, actually includes Force.com and Heroku. So Force.com is our big platform as a service that's often used for employee-facing apps. Uh, Heroku is obviously a, a very versatile platform that can be used for any wide variety of apps. It can be customer-facing apps, it can be partner-facing apps, whatever you want to do. And then there's the Salesforce One mobile app. Um, so there is a lot of different uses of Salesforce One, but Salesforce One platform is very specifically Force.com and Heroku. And then the Salesforce One mobile app is something that you can get over on the uh, uh, iTunes Store or over on Google Play. Now, what does that do? 
Uh, so what it does is if you've got the Salesforce One mobile app, you can actually log in using uh, Salesforce credentials, and then you can get straight into your Salesforce org. Um, so you've used Salesforce, but let's pretend for a second you don't, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people know who Salesforce is because we've got some really uh, you know, great leading apps in the CRM space. We're the world's number one CRM. Uh, we have uh, stuff around Salesforce automation, service center automation, marketing, and we've got this app which people can access either through a web browser or through a mobile device, right? The way that they access it through a mobile device is the Salesforce One mobile app. So you can either access uh, our existing gotcha. apps or any custom app that you might build on force.com comes through on the Salesforce One mobile client as well really well. Okay. So you've mentioned team a bunch of time. Yep. W- what are the rules about creating a team? <clears throat> Right. So uh, a team could be one person. Uh, you could be a solo dev and you can come in. Uh, a lot of times, you know, one person doesn't have the complete capabilities to create an app. Because when you think about creating an app, you know, you're going to need somebody who's a coder. You're probably going to want to have somebody who can have a little bit of design skills. Um, it's often really good to have somebody who's, you know, got kind of a, a business process sense in their head. Um, and so whatever your, whatever your team makeup is, you can have up to seven people as part of your team. I'm an idea guy. <laughs> feed the, anyway yes yeah. Se- wow seven people yeah so you can have seven people on your team and so you know so i mean it could be a relatively big team and that's real the, big there's no right size though right because some people work really well in that size i kind of it feels like a lot of people to me i gotta be honest with you like i'm a little bit more on the solo side myself like i kind of prefer the the lone wolf thing yeah me too i don't the know if that's because i'm compared to the wolf pack Right. I don't know if that's because of my own inabilities to collaborate with a group of seven people within the span of like a day or because it's better, but I'm with you. Well, and so that's the thing is like better. What does better even mean? Right. I mean, that's that's the hard one because there's no there's no one right team size. If you can come out and you can put together a really, you know, innovative app with lots of business potential, with great user experience, and it's using, you know, all kinds of Salesforce One platform technologies in very, you know, creative and appropriate ways, and you're one person, great, go it alone. So since it's a science fair demo theme, uh-huh. yeah. um, could I bring my 11-year-old to do the demo? Uh, so you actually have to have, uh, so first of all, there are detailed entry requirements. <laughs> Okay, uh, and you want to come over to the official rules and check those out. So again, uh, what was that Google address again? G o o g l e dot com. Exactly, and then you would want to search for Salesforce Hackathon, and Good. you'll find a link to the official rules and everything else. Uh, but uh, they do have to be, uh, you know, of age, so eighteen years or older, uh, okay. um, and then they actually have to register. Well, I understand that we've got to clarify some things. Yeah, you know, uh, I was listening to the podcast after we recorded it and I realized I was a bit cavalier in my usage of a couple of terms. The age old debate about registering versus checking in, right? Exactly. The age old debate <laughs> about registering versus checking in. It's been raging so, since the beginning of time, you know, just it, it has, but there's an easy answer to it. Like I have that whole thing solved. <laughs> okay. So tell us how does one register and then how does one check in to the hackathon? Very important. Okay, so when you Google Salesforce Hackathon, which I know you're going to do, you're going to see a big yellow button that says Register for Hackathon. And I know that because I'm looking at it right here. So you have to register before the October 10th kickoff. You have to register by going to the developer.salesforce.com and finding the Hackathon page and clicking on Register for Hackathon. 
And then when you show up physically on site in San Francisco, you check in. I see. So the reason this is confusing is because when I say register a bunch of times later on, which your guests will hear in just a moment, what I actually am saying, what I actually meant to say is check in. Did you just give a spoiler to the uh, podcast? Uh, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, uh, I didn't really talk about any of the name drops. Right. Yeah. Well, good. But, okay, so I'm, I'm going to repeat to make sure we've got this straight. Perfect. You register online sometime between now and before the event. Actually, yep. that's a good question. Do you know what the deadline is for that? Uh, I do not know what the deadline is, but if you click on the register for hackathon, you will see that uh, it tells you that it, uh, the tickets end on October 10th. So registration actually ends on October 10th. So you should not wait. You should go right now and register for the hackathon. Yeah, so pretend that it ends now. Right. Okay. Gotcha. That's it. I really appreciate uh, the clarification there. And for anybody who's got an internal debate raging about the various meanings of register versus check-in, I apologize for adding that confusion. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Reed. Bye, Sean. So you can't have somebody just kind of randomly show up on Sunday to do the presentation. They have to register on Friday, and then one person from the team has to be there on Saturday to do, to do the demo. And all the people have to be there, all seven. Uh, on Friday to register for sure, yeah. yes. Not okay. during the demo. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes having a team of seven a bit harder because I could imagine that if you had like one guy out in San Francisco or maybe even three, yeah. and then you connect to your like remote guy to do the copywriting and the other remote guy to do the voiceover for the video and the gal yeah. to do whatever, but they all have to be there. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that becomes your team. And so you register your team. Um, and then when you register that team, that team doesn't change. Gotcha. You don't have to split the money equally, do you? Uh, that's not something that we really get involved in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, who do, you, so, who, do you, who do you write the check to? Well, uh, I actually don't know the answer to that question. So if you have a question like this, though, mm. what you should do is you should pop over to, you know, you should Google Salesforce Hackathon, and then you should click onto the link where it says where you can ask questions like that, because I don't know the answer. Frankly, you should have bookmarked it by now. If you're still Googling for yeah. this, you know, add it to your, add it to your toolbar. Well, what if you use Chrome and, you know, it's automatically completing it for you, and so you just remember it all the time? That's, that's valid. So, like, I've been emailing around this uh, fantastic YouTube video that talks all about Dreamforce, which it's like the Dreamforce kind of, you know, like, hey, come to Dreamforce. It's two minutes and 30 seconds of awesome that I'm in three times, by the way. I'm so excited. Really? Yeah, you can tell I'm a Salesforce nerd when I get excited about being in the video. Do you have um, a speaking role? Uh, no, there's, a, a, there's an announcer, like sort of the voice of God. What does there. he say? Let me pretend. Um, I don't know what he says. He, he talks a, a little bit about uh, you know like, how awesome it is that we come together for one week a year and you know we learn more together, that kind of thing. This Sunday, 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 <laughs> Moscone West. <laughs> this Monday, 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 yeah. through Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. It's um, fire-breathing dragons of IoT. No, no, no. But it, the, I'll tell you what, the IoT zone is going to be pretty awesome. Are you yeah. running that again this year? I am, yeah. So last year I ran it, and uh, let's see. You, were you out last year? You weren't out last year. So you didn't, you didn't three, hear my voice Three last year. years ago. Was last three time. years ago. Oh, man, you got to come out. Anyway, so last year I ran it, and uh, you know, we'd never done an IoT zone before, and really nobody had done you know, a 
big IoT zone at any one of these conferences, kind of the way that we were doing. We had a bunch of partners, did some show and tell. And so I was doing the show and tell, but I didn't really know what people wanted mm. until they started showing up. And I just started walking them through like literally everything that's on my desk. And I mean, you've seen my office. You know about all the stuff that I got. I got, oh, you yeah. know, I've got my Arduinos. I've got my Spark cores. You know, I've got a robot or two over here. I've got a bunch of uh, eye beacons over there. Anyway, so within, you know, the first three or four hours, my voice was hamburger. And, you know, I only had like <clears throat> after the first four hours, I only had about uh, 28 more hours <laughs> to go. So by the end. By the end, people, random strangers were walking up, giving me throat lozenges, which I really appreciated. You know, a lot of guys have to put on their, like, J-O-B hat to go to their job every day. Yeah. You are not one of them. No. No, this is, your your job is in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I, um, (laughs) I'm not quite sure how I worked this out, to be honest with you, but, you know, like, knock on wood, um, there are things about my job where I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a job, you know, and I have to remember that. Sometimes I just have to do the stuff that sort of irritates me. Uh, but by and large, you know, on an everyday basis, I, I feel extremely fortunate. You know, I've got a great team that I work with. Um, I actually met a new guy the other day who uh, works over on the Heroku team. He's one of the uh, Ruby committers, a guy named Terrence. Um, I just Terrence met him down- Lee? Yeah, Terrence Lee. I know Terrence. Um, oh, okay, yeah. I met him for the first time yesterday. We were talking uh, about kind of the history of Heroku because he's been there for a really long time. And He's um, like one of the nicest guys you could poss- possibly imagine. Super nice, you know, and um, deeply involved in uh, Ruby, deeply involved in the open source community around it, um, really engaged Heroku and kind of what they're doing and, you know, how they're trying to work with customers to, to help them do awesome stuff. So um, it was really interesting for me to, to get a chance to, to talk with him. So I don't recall what episode it was, but I've had him on the podcast before. And oh, cool. A, and he was a great guest. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So we were down at, uh, so you know, Salesforce, like, like I said, we have, we've, so we've got the Salesforce One platform. We do all this custom stuff, right? And then we also have these other kind of killer apps. So one of them is a marketing cloud. And so I was down in uh, Indianapolis yesterday for um, a uh, marketing cloud event, and we had a bunch of uh, developers down there as well. And he was giving a talk on Ruby and, you know, the Ruby community and uh, what it, you know, looks like to kind of interact between Heroku and Exact Target and all that sort of good stuff. It was really interesting. Hmm. Okay, so um, Salesforce is good at coming up with themes and then pushing them somewhat relentlessly. I mean that in, the, in a good way. So, okay. so like, for example, a couple yeah. of years ago, it would have been uh, Internet of Things. Well, still is Internet of Things and yeah. obviously mobile. And yeah. I'm not sure if there was like a, a gamification period in, in Salesforce's uh, uh, maturation, but I feel like there may have been. So we, uh, we actually have partners that do fantastic work in the gamification area, but I don't think we've ever done anything really focused on that ourselves. Okay. But so whatever, keep going. What are the current hot buttons? And like, like if, 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 if one was going to digest the Salesforce marketing corpus yeah. right now yeah. and uh, reduce it to three bullets, what would those be? Okay, well, I've got it. So, so the, thing is, the thing that I think about is not so much the, the marketing bullets, right? The thing that I think about is what our customers tell us. So our customers, honestly, right? So our customers, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Why are you laughing? Huh? Why are you what? laughing? I'm being polite. You made a joke. Okay. I was laughing. No, no, no. We listen to what our customers are telling oh, okay. us. Right? I'm sorry. That's, that's what I think about, right? So, so our customers are telling us really, um, they're telling us that A, they've got this problem, the same problem that they've had for 10 years, which is that there's nearly unlimited demand for apps, Right, mm-hmm. and maybe these are apps which are running in a browser. Maybe they're mobile apps. Maybe they're Internet of Things apps. Whatever. There's nearly unlimited demand, and it's hard to create them. Right? 
it's undeniable that if you go down the route of creating an app from scratch every time, the whole process of designing it, building it, debugging it, deploying it, maintaining it is painful. And so one of our core value propositions has been and is that we make that process a lot faster. So customers who come to us and they start talking to us about you know how to move faster, that's what we talk to them about, right? So that's number one. Okay, quick question about that. Go ahead. Yep. Is that... Is that sort of code for business people don't need IT to make apps still? Because that that used to be a big thing. I mean, when I thought of Salesforce seven years ago, say, the first thing I would have thought about is the company that sells pretty good software into enterprises, not through the IT department. And this sort of sounds like the modern version of that thing. So we actually, you know, when we were selling our primary product was something around, you know, Salesforce automation, that type of thing, our, our... main contact in a lot of businesses were sales leadership, right? Because sales leadership would say we have to have Salesforce and they would just go ahead and buy it. Over the years, IT's gotten much more involved. Um, And so, you know, it's not so much that businesses can create apps without IT. It's that IT can actually create apps as fast as IT needs to create apps, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because IT is, you know, they're struggling on a lot of fronts and not because they're incapable just because there's unlimited demand. Gotcha. Um, and so what they try and do is, you know, they try and do the smart thing. They try and prioritize. They try and build things very quickly. And so that's really one of our core value propositions. Okay. So that's, right? that's, that's super clear. That's yeah. number one. Okay. So number one. So number two um, that's out there is that people are telling us, you know, they're talking about this whole theme of attention being the new currency. Everybody, literally everybody, they're walking around with, you know, a giant mobile device that's getting Twitter, tiny Pop-ups, you've seen that new app, Tiny, right? That's uh, little videos and pictures that Kevin yep. Rose did. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like they're walking up. I get all kinds of stuff coming up there. It's mostly random people who I follow on Twitter who I think I want to unfollow on Tiny, but that's another, another point. <laughs> <laughs> there could be an app for that. There could be an app for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so people are deluged with information, and one of the big challenges is how do you engage people? Um, and these might be employees. They might be customers. They might be partners. Uh, but when we talk to our customers, they're looking for help engaging the key people in their organization. A lot of times that's customers, right? And so when you start talking about um, ways that Salesforce helps, we help by creating easy ways to engage people. Now, a good example of this is uh, the ability to actually start to link Heroku and Force.com. So have you heard of uh, Heroku Connect yet? No. Okay. Well, so I must back, have because I read the emails that they send out, but I don't recall. So, No problem. So back in the day, if you wanted to uh, sync some data back and forth between Salesforce and Heroku, you'd end up doing kind of this manual integration thing, and it was sort of painful. And what we've decided to do, and, and we launched this earlier this year, I think in June, if I remember right, is we launched this thing called Heroku Connect. And what that does is that lets you sync some of the business data from your critical business system, Salesforce, into Heroku so that you can expose it in an appropriate way for an employee or a customer facing app. And so if you start to Google around um, for uh, um, Salesforce London and, and Heroku Connect, you'll see videos of, a, of an app out there that's called Nibs. Um, and it's kind of this canonical app. I, I know. Okay. So let's talk about Nibs in just a second. Okay? No, I'm not going to ask. No, that's okay. It, it's kind of funny in my opinion. But so if you Google around for this, you'll find the video for it. And one of the things that it does is it's really designed 
to make sure that it's easy to get the information that your customers want into this customer-facing platform, Heroku, um, and then put the information you know, out there where a customer can engage with it in some way, whether that's directly in the app or that's with push notifications or that's something from the marketing cloud or whatever it is, right? Um, and so that's the second thing, right? So the first thing is speed. The second thing is engagement, right? Um, and then the third thing that always comes back is trust. Say more. Okay, so trust is a core value of Salesforce. Um, we're basically nothing without the trust of our customers. And so when we look at uh, the, the main thing that we provide our, our customers is the ability to create the system which they can rely on. You know? So we uh, put a lot of effort into trust, uh, which is a big thing. That it's an all-encompassing balloon that you know, covers a lot of things around um, security, reliability, availability, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I would really call out those three points as the, the main selling reasons why you should be considering the Salesforce One platform as uh, something to build your next mobile app on. Okay, so here's why I ask. Because sure. I figure that the person that's going to win uh-huh. is going to kind of breathe in those themes yep. and then regurgitate an app that basically hits them quite nicely. Yep. Right? I, think that, I actually think that's, that's smart. Yep. So, for example... Sure. The, the kind of thing that would do that would be like on the first, it'd be something like um, some sort of meta app that allows a business person to generate something like a survey mm-hmm. that is in and of itself sort of like an app mm-hmm. that then to your second point, maybe they could collaborate with their various stakeholders internally and externally to get the information that they need, mm-hmm. you know, leveraging identity from force.com. That's like, so my like imagining that that's the kind of thought process that a team may want to consider when they decide what to enter with. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think coming up with the right use case. So, so it's really interesting. Like when you, when I talk with developers who are at our customers in industry, a lot of times, you know, they have this really substantial domain knowledge about particular problems that their businesses face. Um, and one of my challenges is, you know, the business that I'm in is platforms and sometimes the problems that my business faces, you know, don't really, aren't the same as somebody who's, uh, you know, who's out there and they're running a retail organization and they're running a logistics organization and they're running an R and D organization. And so when I think about, you know, the right way to do this, like, let's say you run an interesting research organization, right? And what you want to do is you want to kind of take the sort of survey idea that we're talking about. So the researcher then comes up and says, okay, I'm going to build out my questions and my targets. I'm going to build all that, that out in Salesforce, right? And that's going to become uh, something that's on the, on the force.com platform. That's going to become some custom objects. It's going to become some data. We're going to link that in with some analytics. It's going to have all of our employee users are going to be able to get in there and see really good stuff. And then what we're going to do is when it comes time to actually um, do the research, and maybe we're doing a little market research or a survey, whatever, we pick the people who we want to participate because we know who they are, and we add them to uh, an object that we have in Salesforce called a campaign. Spoiler alert, you don't need to necessarily know all of these things within Salesforce, although it is helpful to kind of get up to speed on some of them. Um, We add them to a campaign sync those out so that then they get start to get notified over via their Heroku apps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that becomes a really interesting a really interesting way to interact. I mean, it's a really interesting use of Salesforce technologies. It's a domain-specific problem. It's not necessarily trying to tackle some of the stuff that we tackle, you know, very well in core apps like Salesforce automation. Um, so I think that would be very interesting. 
Okay. I wonder if um, um, some of the Heroku. So I'm more specific, or I'm more familiar right now with the Heroku sort of innovations than I am yeah. with Force.com. I used to know Force.com. Actually, quick aside, um, I met you. I bet on like day three of me learning how to program, okay. or day two. I mean, it was as close to day one as possible. Yeah. Decided that I'm going to learn how to program Force.com. This is about three and a half years ago. Yeah. Or maybe three years ago. I bet right now. Yeah. And uh, I. I, uh, who knows how I decided that, but I, I get the information and then I say, okay, I need some guys that I can ask some questions of here. Cause right. I knew like practically nothing. Right. And you popped up top of the list as a guy that could be helpful. <laughs> and I can't imagine how little I knew at the time, like nothing. Like, I- yeah, but okay. So that's, that's <laughs> like the very nature of, of development and programming. You know, when you start, when you choose to go down this particular career path or this particular way of solving problems, you're basically choosing to adopt an unending learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. And you're choosing to always say, I, I'm at the beginning, because you're always going to be at the beginning. Like everybody is, everybody these days is a polyglot developer. They know a little bit of Salesforce. They know a little bit of Ruby. They know a little bit of Node. And then when a, the Ruby project comes up, they get, really get schooled up on Ruby, right? right? And so then they get really good at that. And then they got to switch gears. And they got to go back over this Node thing, right? Um, and that just basically is one of the fascinating things about this industry. I mean, so I've been a developer for a long time. I don't know, uh, twenty years. Um, well, you're, you're older than least. you look. I, uh, you know, I take care of my skin. <laughs> it's I, true. I, you're sunscreen. a young looking man. Sunscreen. You got to use sunscreen, and you got to floss. Those are my two pieces of advice outside of what you might do for the hackathon. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, keep you looking have more young, advice than that. You're just you're just being polite. I have a lot of advice, but we only have so much time. In fact. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is one of those things. But you know, we haven't actually talked about some of the really cool part about this hackathon yet, which is the open source component. Oh well. Did you I mean, did you hear about that? I did, and uh, you're kind of talking my language. Okay. So I think the thing that's cool about this hackathon is that if it was only force.com, yeah, I don't think I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that I don't think you can do some interesting things on force.com, but eh, eh, you know, not my thing. Fine. But once you add in Heroku, okay, mm-hmm. now that's cool. Cause you can use other languages. Yep. And once you add in the open source flavor, you're like, Oh, okay. Then I could spend a weekend building something that I release to the broader public and, you know, possibly get a reward and uh, some notoriety for it. Yeah. Oh, getting more interesting. So tell me more about that, Reed. Okay. So, uh, Salesforce, um, if you, if you Google around, so we've already got you Googling Salesforce and Hackathon, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could also Google Salesforce and open source, and you'll see some great articles about some of the work that we kind of do in the open source space that we don't really talk about a lot. But a guy named Ian Varley uh, on our R&D team, he's been out there, he's been documenting some of this stuff, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating. So um, we have kind of this interesting level of activity in the open source community. And when we were putting together the Hackathon, what we wanted to do was – we wanted to somehow encourage people to engage and give back. And so what we did was we said, in addition to these kind of main prize categories, teams can also create something that's reusable mm-hmm. for uh, one of their communities. There's four different communities that were, that were putting in. Ruby's one of them. Node's one of them. Python's one of them. Um, I forget the fourth one, so Google Salesforce Hackathon again. And uh, you'll find it there. But um, our goal is to say, okay, if you're going to come up with a reusable library that helps people do something cool, um, we're, we can take that as a separate entry, and we will pick one from each of the four languages that we are uh, supporting, 
and uh, the team will get who wins for that language will get five thousand dollars. And then the foundation behind that language will also get a donation from Salesforce of five thousand dollars. And this is in addition to the, like, so in other words, I could make yeah. a I could make a project that um, had a library within it that yep. I release as a Ruby gem and make open yep. source, and then yep. I could enter both. Exactly, and you don't actually have to win one of the one of the one of the main categories to to win the uh, open source category. So you might right. win both. Um, you might win one or the other. So I don't know what the answer to this is, but back when I wrote um, that that nine months or so that I wrote Force.com apps, yeah. or maybe a year, yeah. um, it was a bummer to me that there wasn't a package manager for Force.com. Like, it was a huge bummer. Is is there now? Well, so what Salesforce has that's a little bit different is um, we have this notion of packaging. It's a little bit different than, like, NPM or, you know, the stuff that you're going to see in uh, in Ruby. Ruby gems, yeah. Ruby gems, Um but the idea is that if you go out on the App Exchange, you can find a bunch of open source apps that are what we call unmanaged packages. Now, I started life at Salesforce as the guy running Salesforce Labs. And so there's something like 300 of these apps that are out there on the App Exchange where you can see all the code. They're all open source under the BSD license. Um, and so you can actually get in there and, and do stuff with that code in, in lots of interesting ways. Um, but it's, it's different than, it's different than Ruby gems. It's different than, you know, NPM. So like, for example, if I, what's a good example. So let's say I want to add like some sort of geography related features to my app that aren't yeah. supported directly by force.com. And I, yeah. and, I, and I want to then like have a class that's called like, I don't know, my special geocoder. That right. gives you know that I can that, that I can uh, uh, use directly or inherit from or whatever. That's right. what's not really supported. Is that right? Yeah. So what's good is that if you are somebody who's very comfortable pulling in JavaScript libraries, um, it's very easy for you to uh, bring JavaScript into the UI layer and to use that in um, you know right. our, our custom page language is called Visual Force. Um, if you've seen any page markup language, any place, you're going to look at this and say, oh, it's a page markup language, right? right. And you can bring in you know, pretty much any type of JavaScript library you might want, including um, you know, ones that handle uh, uh, geocoding stuff. But it's not something where I've got a bunch of you know, kind of Apex code, which is running natively on the platform, that you can say, okay, pull just this in. Gotcha. So there yeah. aren't like, like lower-level server-side libraries in the way that NPM or, or RubyGems may be... It'd be more like a Rails engine. Well, so, so that's true, but the difference in Force.com is that a lot of that stuff is in some way, shape, or form... Like built in. Or built whatever. into the platform. Yeah. Um, so if... So let's say, let's say, for example, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, storing... Uh, addresses, log lats, that kind of thing. We do have um, a geography data type, right, where you can actually store long lats that's part of your data table, and then you can actually do queries based on, um, you know, a, a long lat and then relative, you know, stuff relative to that. So, you know, bring me all the accounts that are within 25 miles of this particular, of this particular thing. So that's there. Gotcha. So, um, so, so the difference is like, okay, learn the learn the APIs from the platform a bit better because it's going to be a bit more of a one-stop shop than the kind of uh, the mix-and-match approach that we may be used to in other frameworks. 
Well, yes. Okay, so first of all, I would definitely encourage everybody who is starting to get interested in doing something on Salesforce, I'd encourage you to actually go out and you know do one of these courses. There's all kind of courses out there that you can get uh, that are um, you know designed to teach you how to do something on Salesforce.com. Um, and they teach you kind of the core objects that are always in there. They teach you about the core services that are already in there. But the other thing that you can do is, um, let's say you have a third-party service that you want to call out to from Salesforce. You can do that. Let's say that you want to uh, build your own service that's going to be sitting on Heroku uh, that you want to call out to from uh, Salesforce. You can do that. So there's a lot of options for you. Gotcha. Um, just because we don't have something where you can you know, execute or import a Ruby gem directly onto the force.com platform itself doesn't mean that you can't use it. You just have to, you have to do it a little bit differently. Gotcha. On the Heroku side, so yeah. does anything count? I mean, so for example, could I write a a super innovative, uh, high business potential, you know, whatever the other two categories of, of scoring criteria, what were they? They were business potential, business potential, user experience, okay. user experience, innovation, and then use of the Salesforce one platform technology. Okay. So let's talk about that one. Sure. So let's say my use of the Salesforce platform technologies is that like I, I deploy the whole thing on uh, Heroku. I use, including I use Postgres from Heroku. I use add-ons that Heroku sells. Yep. Um, Does that count about as much as, say, using Force.com? Because it sort of feels like I'm using Salesforce technologies less if I do that than if I'm using Force.com. So remember, there's three categories, right? So one category is uh, Force.com. Oh, right. So, so that's, that's yeah. where it's just force.com. And so what you're talking about is using just Heroku. That's a category. And so if you use just Heroku, that is perfectly valid. And then if you use a little bit of each, then you're in that third category, which is force.com and Heroku technology. Gotcha. Okay. So, so everyone in the Heroku category is in the same boat, basically. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. How many uh, groups do you expect to enter? Uh, you know what? I don't have that number yet. I, I will say that uh, it's a pretty great space that, that we have. Um, last year, we had uh, a ton of demand. Um, and, you know, This year so far, everything has just really grown. And uh, I, I got to say, the feedback that I've seen in the community about the fact that we're offering you know, 35 different prizes with a lot of different chances to win, people are pretty excited about it. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. I you know? uh, haven't seen them, but... Uh, I, I think it's going to be a really fun event. Did you announce how many did it last year? Uh, I don't think we did. Um, okay. And I, I don't know the, the numbers on that off the top of my head. Gotcha. We had a great showing. So last year, you know, I was over in my Internet of Things zone, right, that we were talking about before where I lost my voice. Right. And Kitty Corner was, you know, the million-dollar hackathon, which I could kind of see because I, I basically, you know, had a chance to go to the bathroom like twice uh, in four days. It was sort of awkward, <laughs> you know? Right. So, so, you know, I sort of head over that direction and be like, okay, there's a whole lot of people that's really crowded and people are doing stuff. Especially know? at your age, to be honest. Uh, you know, I like to think it was, um, you know, practice. I like to think <laughs> it was, you know, exercise. You know, it's a good way to keep myself in shape. I think that's like Kegel exercises for an aging man. Uh, yes. And so I would like to also make special note that the phrase an aging man has now entered the podcast. <laughs> You're going to pay for that one in some way, shape, or form. Well, we're all aging men. Well, we're not all aging men. We're all aging in some way, shape, or form. But I'm going to guess that you have a variety of listeners out there, some men, some women, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe we're we're all – well, I'm not an aging woman. I was going to say maybe we're all aging women, but that's (laughs) not true either, right? 
So yeah. we're all aging. We'll just stop there. My uh, my wife dropped in a conversation the other day that my hair was thinner. Like we're at a dinner party with other people. <laughs> it had never. I'm not kidding you. I. If it has, I'm, I'm completely unaware. And she said, yeah. oh, yeah, well, Sean's got hair's gotten a little bit thinner in the last year. And I was like, huh, come again? What's that? And she said, oh, you're an aging man. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, our, we have uh, the significant others in our lives are um, very helpful for uh, many things. But, you know, one of the things that uh, my lovely wife, Jody, uh, helps me do is keep things very real. So <laughs> right. I think, I think your wife does that, too. I think that Jody uh, asks you to work out more, too, if I remember right. Yeah, and, you know, I should really take that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Did I remember that correctly? Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I I could use a little, honestly, I could use a little bit more time in the gym. I haven't quite figured out. You know uh, that book, Ready Player One? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got that guy who, like, he, you know, he goes through his thing where he starts, like, winning stuff and he's got money and he can get that, like, you know, exerciser and he gets all disciplined about it because he's like, yeah, I just had to accept that, you know, I need to, like, exercise the muscles. Right. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I haven't gotten to that point in the book yet. My own personal book, I'm still, like, <laughs> I'm not eating a lot of Cheetos. Like, I eat okay, but I could I could do a little bit better. Right. Right. So, I think that this, back to your hackathon. Yeah. Are I you going to come? Have I sold you? Well, I think the pitch is pretty good. Okay. Like, what I, I so- like what I like about it is that, like, for, for folks that aren't, you know, there's a whole world for whom Salesforce is, like, the thing that they do. Yeah. And that's a thing. Like there are a lot of big companies that have adopted Salesforce and it feels very liberating for the employees of that company to have a tool that they like. And the, yep. and the programmers generally are feeling like this is an exciting thing because the platform provides a bunch of capabilities and, you know, learning a new language may not be ideal, but like they like it. Right. But for folks that aren't in that world, Salesforce is a kind of weird thing. Like, yeah. I don't mean weird, bad. It just is different. It, it, it's this closed ecosystem of buzzwords that, that we're not familiar with and kind of, a. it just, it doesn't feel like, like what I'm used to, but I think that the hackathon approach this year feels accessible. It's like got the force.com buzz in it. So it's got, you know, the, it feels like it's from Salesforce. Yeah. For for all the good and the bad that that means to someone that's not used to Salesforce, but then it also has stuff that I am familiar with, like mm-hmm. Heroku, like open source, like um, uh, I think the fact that there are thirty five prizes is nice. The it's kind of flexible. It's got like a pretty. It's got a better open ethos to it for someone yeah. like like me, and I think people that listen to this podcast. Yeah, so I, I like it. It kind of feels like uh, it feels like something that isn't so foreign. So I think, you know, the foreign thing comes out, I, I spent a lot of time working with, um, you know, startups and smart bu- small businesses, that kind of thing, and, you know, doing a lot of, you know, kind of initial outreach to them. And a lot of times the biggest thing that people come back to me with is they say, wait a second, what is it like to sell to enterprises? And so when you think about kind of, you know, the core identity that Salesforce has is our customers are enterprises. And so, you know, we're doing B2B sales, everything else. And if you look at our identity and kind of our DNA, that's where we are. So that foreignness that you feel is probably around that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm being presumptuous in saying that. I guess. No, the I great irony it, is I spent most of my career in gigantic companies and gigantic company jobs. Well, exactly. But so it's not like I'm. Yeah. I think that it's not that, like, for me personally, it's not that I'm unfamiliar with the concepts. Yeah. It just is culturally not the culture that I'm in right now. 
And yeah. it therefore is culturally jarring, not conceptually yeah. jarring. It's just like once you're not in that world, it's different. It's yeah. different. Like, like, for example, the rest of the world doesn't have business development people. That's not a thing. Enterprise it's a, it's a has thing. that thing. It's a thing. People don't wait. Are you telling me that people don't have business development people out of enterprise world? No, really? No, that 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 like technical ish business guy thing, yeah. which is yeah. like so. So I think from like culturally, if you're not if you're not in the enterprise Salesforce type world, yeah. there aren't a lot of these technical business guys that aren't really technical. Actually, they're business guys sort of that talk technical ish. They're 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 kind of a lightweight adapter class, right? Is the way I look at it, right? And so, like, there's there's so okay. So this goes actually back to my conversation with Terrence yesterday, right? So I should probably like tell Terrence I'm talking about him on the on the podcast here. But it was really interesting to me because you know we're talking about what it was like in the early days at Heroku because he was one of the really early employees. Mm -hmm. I think he said like 17 or something like that. He started in the customer in a customer support job, I think. Oh, did he? Yeah. Interesting. Um, but, you know, so when you go from like a small organization to something like Salesforce, I mean, right now we're well over 10,000 employees. And, you know, there's becomes all these weird different skills which kind of matter. And so I spent most of my career in SMB, you know, exactly the opposite of you. So like my early career was, you know, really small business. I ran my own gig for 11 years. And it was a long time, you know, before I came into Salesforce. And it, Far and away, the biggest company I've ever worked for. I feel like you and I are country square dancing in our careers. You know, you start on the one side and we... Are we dosy doing? Is that what you just said? I, I think that's the word. I think that is the word. You know, I actually grew up square dancing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna, gonna call this as the dosy do. And uh, I will make a personal pledge to any listener right now who joins the hackathon. And if you create... Uh, I don't know if you create a special shout out to the Dosi Do somewhere. Um, I don't know. Somehow, I will tweet about you. In you a have a lot. Way. You, you're you're famous on the Twitter. I don't know if I can even commit to that. <laughs> I, I tweet ninety. Most of it I tweet about is oatmeal. Anyway, Dosi Do cracks me up. So, um, anyways, you start small. Anyway, I start get, small. You started big, and so you know the thing is, you get into a large organization, and there's a variety of skills which really matter. And the you know the biz dev skill, the kind of technical technical ish biz business ish, that actually adds value at a larger organization because you end up with all these kind of weird cultural challenges where you have to get you know cats herded and marching the same direction, and that, that notion of alignment is so hard to achieve. And you mean middle um, managers when you say cats, mostly, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think that's you the want, thing. I think the rest I, of the world doesn't have middle managers. I, I, think it, I think it is kind of a thing. Well, I don't think it's the rest of the world. I mean, any large organization has them, and there are tons of enterprises out there that are doing really interesting yeah, work, when right? when I say the rest of the world, I mean non enterprises. It's not like you're talking like the 80-20. You're just saying there's this kind of group over here that has one set of characteristics and then there's another group over here that has another set of characteristics. Yeah. So so yeah. the, you know, most organizations aren't enterprises. Yeah. But a, a huge portion of the economy is enterprises because they're yeah. so big, but m most organizations aren't enterprises and they don't have middle managers. And if you yeah. don't have middle managers, then business development isn't a thing and like I think that and none of this is good or bad. It just means that the culture around Salesforce has that feel that you can forget about and yeah. you're back in and you're like, Oh, Whoa, this is a whole different thing. And I, I meant to pay a compliment to this hackathon. And then I think it, it, it bridges back to the developers that aren't part of that world yeah. pretty well. Cool. It feels that's accessible. Cool. And I think that's, yeah. it's nice. Cause even though like I personally could hop back into the enterprise thing and feel fine about it, um, 
like I or whether I feel fine about it or not is a, is a question. But <laughs> it would feel familiar enough to me. Yeah, I think it wouldn't fact, be total foreign. It, the fact that it's it, yeah. it's there's a bit of a bridge here, I think, is attractive to recruit new people to to build for the platform, which is nice. Yeah, you know, I uh, I think uh, over the last few years, so I've been working with Salesforce now for about five years. I've been part of the community for about eight. And one of the things that's been true about this community from the very early days is that it is very inclusive. Um, we have people with all different levels of skills. The Force.com platform lends itself very well to um, you know, people who are relatively non-technical being highly productive on it. Uh, so we have you know, a whole bunch of declarative app builders, people who don't necessarily write code but do great things. Um, we have uh, a, just a lot of emphasis on the fact that there's no one right way to do it and there's no you – know, our developers don't look one single way. Um, so do you a huge know, community. On that point, and I think yeah. you're, to, you're totally right, um, do you know what the stats are on percentage of the community that are women as compared to mm, mm. either the open source development community or kind of the, the other pockets of, of app development? Because at least anecdotally, like if uh-huh. I'm just going to judge by, call it Twitter slash articles yeah. slash the feel of it, it yeah. feels like it's got to be three, four, five x, like a huge difference. So I don't know what the actual numbers are because I, you know, I haven't done a quantitative study on it. Um, I do have somebody. So on my team, so I I lead kind of the North American developer evangelist for um, Salesforce, the ones who aren't at headquarters, and so I've got I don't know, I think six EVs who are on my team. So some of the ones that people typically know, like you've probably heard of Christoph uh, Conrad, you've probably heard of James Ward if you've done anything you know with Adobe Technologies over the last decade or so. They're on my team, which is great. Um, and then I've got, you know, some people who, um, you might not have heard of. Uh, so one of those, uh, if you're in the Salesforce world, you've been in there for any time is this woman named Mary Scotton. Did you ever meet Mary? No. So longtime product manager at Salesforce. Um, she came over to my team, uh, beginning of last year and absolutely fantastic ad. She has the ability to go out and engage with people in, an extraordinarily unique way, very different from the way that I engage with people, right? Um, and it, she she's spent the last year or so really interacting with um, the women in our community uh, and exploring issues around women in tech and diversity in tech. And so if you start to search for Salesforce and women in tech, you'll actually find a whole series of blog profiles that she's done. Um, she kicked off uh, a bunch of them on our developer blog where she goes out and she interviews people in the community, people who work at Salesforce, um, who happen to be women and developers, and talks to them about what got them in, what it's like to work in our community, um, you know, what, the, what it's like to be a woman in the technical field, that kind of thing. It's been very eye-opening for me um, to look at because that – I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I see things through the only eyes that I have and – Sometimes I get blinders on it. I don't always see sort of the rest of the world. Um, what I love about having Mary on my team is that she she looks at things in a different way, and she's really highlighted the way that she sees things and brought them to light. Um, and it's been fascinating for me to kind of keep up with. Well, there's always a lot of buzz in the Ruby community about how to be more inclusive and how to embrace diversity and how to address some of the challenges that may prevent that. Yeah. And for people that are that listen to this that aren't familiar with the the Salesforce world, Salesforce has got that much more figured out than most other development communities does. That seems pretty clear to me, at least. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, a, it's, something that it's something that we work really hard on. And, you know, I, I've, so I've, I've actually got this, um, another person who's on my team is this uh, 
a woman named Leanne Templeman. So I always call her LT. And so she's been with Salesforce now for like five years. And we were talking about something one day. And um, you know, she was telling me about an experience that she had a long time ago. And she was like, you know, I, I wanted to talk about it in a very open way because you know, that was the kind of Salesforce that I wanted to create. Right, is I wanted to create a Salesforce where, if there is an issue, we just all talk about it, right? And um, it was it was fascinating for me because I come from smaller companies. You know, I I'm kind of a middle aged white male, and you know, so I I've got this you know whole kind of background with that where I don't necessarily think of some of this stuff. I mean, young looking um, middle aged white male. Just well, to, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it goes back to the uh, skincare and uh, be sure to floss, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but, you know, she goes in and she re- has really worked hard on making Salesforce the kind of place where she'd really feel proud to work. And she's not alone. Um, the, the reason that I work at Salesforce is this uh, woman named Layla Seca, who is actually um, SVP and GM of a company we have called Desk.com, which does, you know, fantastic customer support operations for uh, the, the SMB segment. Uh, written and, in Rails and sometimes hiring Rails developers. Absolutely. She was here at uh, RailsConf, uh, I think, earlier this year, there we go. Um, you know, talking to some people, which was, you know, just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, she is absolutely a world-class leader and uh she's the reason i work at salesforce and like i'm just so happy to that she's another person that's made salesforce the kind of company that she wants it to be well here's why i'm i'm, I'm considering doing this this sure. hackathon because i think okay. that, i think that from the rails community and some of the open source community salesforce takes some flack because it's a big company and people don't like big companies uh, like people from the open source world don't like big companies but there's a positive to it. Or there are multiple positives, but there's one related to this, which is it does, like, the, the open source world is pretty unprotected. It's like the Wild West of, of yeah. anything goes to some degree. And while it's self-policing, I think, to, to, a, to a level that people wouldn't expect would be possible, it's still yeah. somewhat Wild Westy. And one of the positives of, of having a big company like Salesforce is that it does provide some protection. It provides for a more... Um, like a climate that's more friendly. I don't know how else to say it, but it's mm-hmm. more friendly. Like if, if you were to like watch the, if you were to search Twitter and watch the yeah. tweets about, I don't know, force.com and, and Dreamforce And basically if you just followed, if you looked at what you tweet plus the people that you follow tweeted yeah. and compared it to the rails community. Oh my God. Fundamentally different tone. Really? Oh, like you, really? I, here's my prediction. You could run okay. it through like a sentiment analysis guy. Yeah. So let's say this is a thing. We could hack this together. Um, do like the graph of a force.com guy like you and a graph of a Ruby guy like DHH or something mm-hmm. and uh, run their, their tweets through sentiment analysis and then uh, see what it says. And I think what it'll say is that the, the force.com Salesforce world is, is friendlier. Mm. Like it's more, it's generally more positive. There's less, snark there's less attacking it may be a little dorkier i think people would say not that the computer could say that <laughs> like in other words there'd be like a little more referencing like played memes and all this jazz you mean but we're it, more dorky the salesforce community is more dorky yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay but the reason i think no, that that's, that's true fine. is because yeah. i think that it no now the yeah. open source community is not cool it's just <laughs> it's just not that nice yeah. you know but okay. but the but in comparison i think that the the what at first glance could look a little dorky is actually being friendly. Yeah, it's actually people like being inclusive and creating yeah. some um, shared experiences that people get used to. 
that's nice. And I mean, Ruby, the Ruby community does that too, but I think the force.com community does that in a way that's not quite as, or I mean, Salesforce community does that in a way that's not quite as exclusive to people that are already familiar with the, the genre. And I think that's nice. Really interesting to hear you say that, you know, they, they, uh, so the, the community that, that I've been fortunate to be a part of since, so I started like seven and a half years ago when, you know, I'd go in and I'd tell people I work for salesforce.com and they'd say, who, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, now I tell people I work for salesforce.com and they're like, Oh, cool. You know, like I, I've heard of salesforce.com, you know, sure. and it touches a lot more people today than it did uh, seven years ago. But, um, you know, during that seven years, you know, I've gotten to know all kinds of people, and a lot of them I just meet through Twitter. That's how you and I met the yeah. first time was we met, you know, just exchanging some tweets on a couple of things. Um, but universally, universally, if you come into the community and you don't know anything and you start tweeting to people and use like a hashtag ask force, for example, um, people are going to start weighing in. You know, and sometimes they'll help you ask a better question, and sometimes they'll, you know, just be able to answer your question right away, or sometimes they'll point you to documentation. But you do that kind of initial thing, and then they say, Oh, are you going to be a Dreamforce? Let's grab coffee, you know, or let's grab a beer at one of the receptions or something like that. And then suddenly it becomes, it's the, it is a community. You know, it's not just a couple of people exchanging things on Twitter. It's uh, real-life interactions. Um, this event that I just went to down in Indian- Indianapolis, um, I thought I was going down to a marketing conference, right, that happened to have a dev zone in it. And what turned out is I show up there, and some of my absolute favorite people in the world are there. So we have this community of MVPs, people who you know interact with the Force.com platform either declaratively or programmatically, and um, you know they're leaders in the community, whatnot. They all showed up, you know. So I, I'm sitting there talking to them, you know, like Alex Sutherland is a guy who you know came in, and you know I've known him for years, but haven't seen him in two years. So he shows up. Jonathan Baltz is another Chicago guy. I haven't seen him in nine months, you know, because whatever our schedules don't match. He shows up. So oh, we I know talk. him. Yeah, he's yeah nice you know guy. Jonathan. He's yeah. a nice guy. Maria Belli is suddenly there, you know, Maria Belli, who's, she's in your neck of the woods, she's over in Connecticut, you know, um, she shows up, Elizabeth, you know, shows up who I've known for, um, you know, four years, whatnot, um, and suddenly it's like, we're all just sitting there chit-chatting, it's like this great big reunion, and that, that's kind of what comes to mind when you start talking about the funness of the community. Well, I think that, anyway. so I think that my last point on this is that the Ruby community is, is quite nice and welcoming too, but it's, cool. di- it's different, and yeah. I think that, for those that are in it, um, one reason to do an event like this is one, you can use all the skills you already know, yep. but two is it would be eye opening because it's a bit of a different world. And part of it will mm-hmm. be a little off putting because it's different. And part of it will be sort of eye opening in a good way. And you're like, Whoa, yeah. maybe we can learn a thing or two from that. Yeah. I, it's, it's probably a worthwhile thing to do. Some of the best and brightest people I've ever met are doing stuff on the Salesforce platform. Mm-hmm. Um, they're interesting, you know, and, and they're going to show up at Dreamforce and a lot of them will show up at some point, you know, for the hackathon. Um, I would invite everybody who's listening to come to the hackathon, uh, check it out, do some good work, you know, learn something new, meet some new people, have some good food, uh, borrow one of Sean's sleeping bags, uh, get some, you know, beauty tips from me in terms of taking care of your skin and flossing your That's teeth right. and, uh, you know, call it a day, have some fun. Yeah. All That's right. What so it's all about. I think you've made it the pitch the pitch uh, very well. You're a pros pro. Uh, is there <laughs> is there any? You are a developer evangelist, developer evangelist. Uh, I, I'm an evangelist about evangelizing as well, incidentally. But that's uh, another job. It's a whole other podcast. And it totally makes sense to me. That yeah. would be true. So yeah. a Google hackathon, Salesforce, million dollar 
uh, wow is read. <laughs> you can actually just Google Salesforce hackathon, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Google it right now. And so as soon as I do that, it comes up. The very first list I'm is feeling all lucky. about is all about the Salesforce one million dollar hackathon. Okay. and it will give you the official rules. Read the official rules. It'll give you a link to the fact. Read the fact. It's actually really good. And then um, it takes you to a registration link. Um, it's free to register. Lots of great prizes. Plenty of good food. It's going to be a good time had by all. And uh, I'll be there along with uh, the rest of my evangelism team. Awesome sauce. Okay. Hey, you know, that's actually, oh, that's another podcast. Never mind. <laughs> awesome sauce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's from Sam and Cat, right? Uh, it probably is, but so in, internally we do all this stuff around labs, you know, to try and, anyway, it's a Salesforce labs thing. goes back to Leanne Templeman, who we talked about earlier. Like I said, it's a whole other podcast. I feel like we've kept your listeners on long enough. I hope yeah. they're still listening. <laughs> who knows? It could be just <laughs> you and I. We've had beers be many times. Maybe we're just in that moment. This is actually fine. You know, I, I did propose to you at one point that we do a dedicated podcast together. Oh, it'd be good. Yeah. I think it could be super fun. I don't think... I don't think I should do uh, – we could do a, uh, a RailsForce.com podcast. We could make that happen, you know, like 50-50. Sure. And there are a lot of other things we like too. There's a lot of other things that we could podcast let's not, about. Let's not constrain ourselves. Gardening. <laughs> I would not offer much. I like pickles, uh, but not so much the growing of the cucumbers. Uh, hair care tips for aging men. Yeah, very little of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if someone wants to follow you on Twitter – Yes, you can find me at R-E-I-D-C-A-R-L-B-E-R-G, Reed Carlberg. If you Google Reed and Salesforce, I think I actually, I think I actually come up there. There's only so many of us, so R-E-I-D and Salesforce. Now you're, you've got quite the follower list on, sales, on Twitter, right? Uh, I, have a, I have a few people who follow me. I mean, there's lots of people out there with a lot of Twitter followers, and um, I really enjoy the people who I get to interact with on, on Twitter on a, on a daily basis. I have a lot of fun with it. About 5,000. Yeah, I, but I, I like honestly, it's like so. I had this conversation with uh, with Christoph, one of my one of my a team who I was talking about, the guy who used to work for Adobe. Anyway, um, uh, he he thinks people unfollow me because I tweet too much, and that might happen. That that might be true. Yeah, yeah. the net's going up. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, exactly. good, good, good riddance. Yeah. They all, they right. all come back. They all come back eventually. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, doing this. Do we do we talk about what the date of this is? Do we even say the date? It's the weekend before Rails Rumble. Because it, by, said, right? by reference. Yeah, but not, by, did, but not by value. I think we we did a by reference thing. So it's October tenth through twelfth. October tenth through twelfth. You did say it at the beginning, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Okay. I was just sitting here, like, kind of wondering. You know, I've got my checklist, which I'm going to now hold up for your reviewing pledge although <laughs> our right. audience will be able to see it well no i am going to so i i said earlier i do very little editing of this show but i'm going to make sure that at the beginning we say october 10th through 12th okay okay good that sounds great all right if someone wants to connect with me i'm tw- on twitter i'm barely known thanks <laughs>